Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Superhumanized podcast. I know from quite a few of you giving me input and feedback on social media or via emails that you feel conventional medicine is reactive and disease-oriented and that little focus is put on trying to find and heal the underlying cause of an issue. I personally feel that much of that disappointment is justified, and at the same time, I feel deep gratitude for having the option to seek and get medical treatment in case of, say, an accident or a horrible infection. And I have deep respect for the medical professionals who work hard every day, often at a high price, to their own physical and mental health to help others. I do believe it is our system that needs an overhaul, and I also believe that an ideal medical system integrates the approach of holistic medicine and what we call conventional medicine, preventing disease and supporting optimal health in the first place and addressing health issues as needed with targeted medical interventions. Our guest today, Dr. Brooke Stewart, is a holistic doctor in private practice, where she specializes in taking a holistic approach to mental health, physical health, and high performance through a combination of holistic counseling and functional medicine. She's also the founder and president of Let Go and Grow International. According to the Institute for Functional Medicine, Functional medicine is a personalized systems-oriented model that empowers patients and practitioners to achieve the highest expression of health by working in collaboration to address the underlying causes of disease. Functional medicine uses the best of ancient practices and modern modalities and doctors, amongst other recommend supplements, cutting-edge technological devices and tests, as well as mindset techniques, diet, and lifestyle changes. Based on this, Dr. Brooke develops a personalized treatment plan for each patient. She also collaborates with conventional doctors regarding certain medications or tests when necessary. For Dr. Brooke, functional medicine is not in competition with other types of medicine. And in this episode, she will give us an overview of her practice and most successful approaches to healing the whole human. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Brooke, welcome to the Superhumanized podcast. I am so pleased to connect with you. Thank you so much for having me, Ariana. I cannot wait to dive into these topics today. Absolutely. And we actually probably spent about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes before I hit record talking. And I feel <laughs> like I've already met you sometime before. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And we're going to do a deep dive on resetting the mind and body, which is one one of the many things you have great expertise about. 
Before we do that, Brooke, I'd like to give an overview for those in the audience who may not be so acquainted with it yet about functional medicine. In essence, what is functional medicine? Absolutely. So functional medicine is root cause medicine, but I feel like in practice, it's more exploratory. It's more of, okay, like what works, what doesn't, why, and how can we begin to integrate that into a treatment plan and partner together to actually go on a journey towards health, shifting into health. I feel for so long, especially in conventional medicine, it's been like a war against disease versus a shifting and turning towards health. And obviously with my company is called Let Go and Grow. And that's the major premise of how can we begin to let go of what doesn't work, explore the untapped potential in disease itself? What information is it relaying to us? And equally, how can we develop and grow what does work? And so if we're able to have that torque, we can then shift our systems into more of a healing mode. And I think functional medicine does a great job at that. And as your audience probably is well acquainted with, every holistic doctor and functional medicine practitioner is so different in their approach. Some people focus on primarily lab work, primarily diet. Obviously, as you and I, it sounds like we work similarly in that focusing on the mind and the body and the heart and the life. So encompassing that psycho-spiritual to the physiological becomes important when we want to set a foundation for results to actually stick. And something I tell my patients is even just one change can bring about a little bit more energy, a little bit more energy as we shift the system into a healing mode. Because let's say you're struggling one step forward, two steps back. That could mean like your car is at 40, like you're at 46%, right? And that means like your car is in reverse. But if we just make one change, we're at 49, 51, 52, 65, 84. And all of a sudden you're driving forward and you're gaining confidence because you have a plan and you really understand what is working, what isn't. You really understand why, because you're the one making these everyday changes, working with the stress response in the myriad of systems in the body through mindset, diet, lifestyle, supplementation, and any other therapeutic practices that you engage in. So it becomes far more exploratory, educational, and it becomes really fun when you begin to see results through these simple everyday changes, whether it's by introducing a supplement, removing gluten and dairy, sleeping on at a certain time, creating a nice ecosystem there, shifting perception, seeing your, your symptoms is potentially for you. All of these things can become actual medicine. And it just takes one step at a time, having the intention to heal and finding those companion commitments that are highly resonant. And so that's a lot of what I do in my practice. And I find just that 46% reserve, reverse, car in reverse to 52% car in forward. It is quite literally the difference between night and day. And it's almost like people, it's almost like that peace and that healing comes from a process that actually yields progress. And I think that's what's so exciting about functional medicine is that we're not, it's not a guessing game. We're not throwing things at the wall. Of course, there are always surprises. Everybody is completely unique and different, but we can begin to understand patterns and constellations and then have informed choice from that space and having that very participatory approach where you're working with your patients versus talking at them. And these, you mentioned some really crucial things that I just want to mention myself again. So one of the words you used was 
partnership. So there's a collaboration between the practitioner and the patient. There's not talking at the patient. The other thing is also the, the it's a very different mindset to approach something also from a sense of self-empowerment and not feeling victimized, but you actually take steps as the person who begins this journey, this process of healing and reconnect in a sense also to the immense healing powers of your own body instead of feeling like spinning out of control with all these worries, all these issues you may be dealing with and feeling like there's nothing you can do. That alone must be restorative for the mind and the body and that way also provide a much better baseline for healing. Absolutely. And I think it's so interesting because I always ask my patients to close their eyes and to see what they think. What is that vision of health that you hold within yourself? And most likely you'll think if you are a woman, you have long, like your hair is growing and your skin is shining and you feel relaxed and at ease and you're in the sunshine and your feet are on the ground and you feel comfortable in your own skin. You have community around all of these healthy circles surrounding you and you're eating. Everybody knows like the difference between Doritos and an apple, right? Apple is obviously the healthier choice, but we lose touch with that when we don't allow ourselves to go within to have that vision. And I think so much of disease is the disconnect from that vision because we know who we are, what we are, where we are. We know what we're capable of. And so if we're not exercising that potential and clicked into that track, it can create a lot of insecurity and instability because we want, we, it's on some level, it becomes suppressed. And so when it becomes so suppressed, it's repressed and it's stuck in our bodies. And I think the biggest thing is beginning to express that through power of choice, through owning our authentic self, who we truly are, and understanding the signature essence that only we can begin to know. And sometimes that's sending a signal of safety through these healthy habits gives us the opportunity to feel like we can safely express as we are. And I think that unfoldment is certainly expansive in nature, but it can definitely yield health along the way. So I think health is health and growth are so intertwined, almost like a spiraling up figure eight. I think if we're not growing, it's impossible to have health. And if we're not healthy, it becomes very difficult to grow. So they're so interconnected. And we also don't want to lose sight of the simultaneous importance of the disease and the intensity of fear and trauma and mental emotional states that feel like lower vibrational in nature. There's so much potential there. So if we're able to hold space for both of it, we can explore it all over time. And at first, I think just having a foundation to explore it on is really important because if we're afraid of the foundation that we're walking on and we don't have that touch with who we are and we don't feel disconnected and out of the present moment and we don't know how to observe or how to interpret and understand and frame what we're going through, it becomes very difficult to have more of a system. So a lot of what I focus on, especially in the first four to six months of working with the patient and in the programs that we've built out is the foundation. So they just have solid ground that can become, of course, a springboard for so, for so much more.
Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And stating that you create the spaces also from people to have this vision of what their health would look like, feel like, and also connecting to their authentic self to step out of disconnection. I'm curious how many of us have been taught, whether it's caretakers or society, that our authentic selves, whatever that may be, is not acceptable or not lovable. So when you grow up as a child like that or as a young adult and you discover aspects of yourself that may not be welcome in whichever society you live in, you repress it, that, of course, can also be grounds for a lot of psychological distress, emotional unwell-being. And when somebody has a history of that and at some point in life, a lot of different symptoms may manifest physically as well. If someone finds themselves in that situation, is there anything, any advice you could give them before they actually take a step and work with somebody who's an expert such as yourself? Is there any way that they can start just working on resetting this energetic balance, even though it might feel fake or I don't believe this or this won't work? Is there something you can advise? The first prescription I give in my practice is something we call the heart-based practice, which is just a simple hands over your heart, feel your heartbeat. Embedded in this practice, I always teach my patients, and obviously everybody will probably have a different opinion of this, but I find for to shift the system into a healing mode, perception is so important. I actually, when I first came into contact with holistic medicine, I was in a medical anthropology class. And we had to go around interviewing Ayurvedic practitioners. And one Ayurvedic practitioner was so interesting. He said that there's four realms of healing. One are the things that you can do yourself, the everyday choices. Two have to do with more physical manipulation, like massage therapy, things like that. Three have to be more surgical in nature, whether you're taking something herbal or you're getting an IV or you're actually getting acupuncture or a surgical intervention. And fourth, and the most powerful was shifting your perception because it changes how you express in every single way. So I think even if you just start there with thinking about who you truly are, and I define this in my practice as the creator of your reality. So simply you have the power to choose, you're the creator of your reality, and you are not so much. For example, you're not your worst day, you're not your bad choices, the divorce that you had, you are not even what you eat, you are not your thoughts, you are not what you feel. It's more of, yes, all of these things influence how we experience our lives, but that is not that does not define you. And what defines you is like that more vague answer of you're the creator of your reality, it's simply because you have the power to choose choices. But then I think on top of that is more signature essence. Like when you allow yourself to come into yourself and begin to accept and embrace and plug in, then we get to the delight and the surprise of getting to know who we truly are and having that intimate relationship with self. And that's where we begin to understand, wow, I'm capable, I'm important, I'm unique. All of these things that everybody is, but you can begin to experience through the present moment and beginning to gather the pieces of ourselves. So I always talk about who, what, where as a way to begin to reconnect, reset, and remembering that who, what, where. But within the heart-based practice, which will certainly create coherence, just placing your hands over your heart, between heart, brain, through the vagus nerve, it begins to regulate your whole autonomic nervous system. 
And just by placing your hands over your heart, it's just that whole cascade of neurochemicals off. But I see it as more of a way of plugging into yourself, being there with yourself, creating that structure for you to begin to be more fluid and express and flow with the process of life. And in that space, of course, you can set an intention, say a prayer, or you can simply remind yourself of who, what, and where you are, just plugging back into that space and then beginning to shift into that next moment a bit different. And we always talk about this idea of the concept 3.01 in my practice. So that means three minutes and one second. And we know it like if we're engaged in something new for three minutes, it can feel like shifting the Titanic, but it's almost like we can bring our attention, our focus, our concentration. And all of a sudden we are creating a brand new reality just through that power of choice because we all know nobody really loves the first three minutes of a run or the first three minutes of sending a dreaded email. But typically after 30 seconds, two minutes, we're so glad we're doing it. We take so much pride in ourselves. And it's like adding tokens to the confidence bank because we just interrupted a pattern where we feel off and then we recognize we can. When we thought we couldn't, we then recognize we can by looking at the whole picture and overriding it by believing in ourselves versus our experiences in the same way that we used to. Mm. And I see a lot of this as like that whole like idea of fake it so we make it. I think it's just a natural part of beginning and learning something new. We all feel strange and like we're faking it at first, but the more we plug into that energy, the more we can embody it and the more we feel like it becomes a part of us. And so I think allowing that kind of like idea to divide us from the healing process is something that we can certainly override because that form of resistance can just be that resistance to change. So if we're able to just plug in and not judge ourselves and come into that state of observation as we're connecting, as we're plugging into ourselves, turning the light on, but choosing to be present, choosing to be with ourselves, choosing to slow down for that three minutes, then it becomes far more easy to shift into that 3.01 in a way that you really take pride in. But it's also that idea of you're the resource, you're the medicine. You literally just administered it to yourself before you changed anything with your diet, anything with supplements, which I'm a big believer in as well. But but I find that having that tool first, it just signifies that you come first. And it signifies that without you, this healing process wouldn't even exist. And that's how important you are. And you are the only one who can recognize how capable you are. Even if I see it, the words that you speak to yourself mean so much more. And so that's where it's like, if it feels fake at first, don't even worry. Literally message to yourself what you believe to be true. And that's where it's freedom because the truth just like breaks off all of the things that are non-truth over and over again. And, And that too is just can be so medicinal. Beautiful, Brooke. Thank you for sharing this. It resonates deeply. And I've also found the times in my life when I have taken, actively taken the time to reconnect with myself and actually have a conversation with my deepest self to actually allow this inner voice to come out and shed all these narratives, these fake narratives that are being put upon us and the things that we believe we are and that then become saboteurs. I recently read a really interesting article about how we self-sabotage and the biggest 
root causes are these narratives that we have. The narrative with I, I am, whatever that may be. When you peel back the layers, I'm unworthy, I'm unlovable. Or, and then the second one is about people. Let's say if you really peel back the layer and somehow deep down inside, you believe people are deceitful. And the third one is the world. The world is, let's say it may be a dangerous place. So all of these narratives that somehow we have acquired through the course of our life and certain experiences or what we've been communicated to, they run us and they can stand in the way of being and feeling balanced and actually also healing process of reconnecting and reconnecting with your heart, stimulating the vagus nerve and thus creating a different sense of self. And in that way, also creating a different reality is can be super powerful. I'm sure you or have heard of the biology of belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton. Yes, it's amazing. Yes, highly recommend that book. He also was a guest on this podcast for anyone who wants to do a deeper dive into this particular aspect of self-healing. So once you've covered the kind of like the baseline with what you spoke about, you focus on and you also offer a course on resetting the mind and body. Can you tell us in your practice what the different pillars are? that you then work through with your patients. And then maybe we can also go into more detail about these different aspects of healing the whole person. Absolutely. So in my practice, I typically focus quite a bit on like that connection. So for example, like even like you're mentioning, like when you see a trauma storyline or something that we've that we've come into a belief pattern with, if we just connect with that and begin to look at it and just open up to learning from it, it's like almost like it lets go of us. And as we let go of it and as we receive those lessons. So I talk a lot to my, we, I work with my patients quite a bit on connecting with their feelings, connecting with their thoughts, connecting with their minds, connecting with their bodies in a very safe way where it's empowering and a release and a clearance can actually take place versus a complication of things like that, that coping on coping, which actually I believe in the 16th century meant layering on top of a brick wall. Coping was actually like a form of, and I believe that can be extraordinarily helpful because band-aids are helpful to the healing process. So I certainly don't think there's anything wrong with coping, but I think in our hearts, or at least most of my patients want to clear, they want to heal and have that process facilitated. And so we'll work a lot on just connecting to these different parts of self. And one example I'll typically bring in is if you look at yourself, like as the kind of like the leader or the host of a dinner table, you can have your mind, your body, your thoughts, your feelings, your heart, your life. And if your heart is opening up, your body may feel at ease. But if your mind is going so crazy, the body may clench up and the heart may Harden. And so depending on who's sitting where and the different voices and intricacies and language, we have to begin to navigate and lead and work with and facilitate the harmonization of this dinner table, so to speak. And so in my practice, I focus a lot on connection, a lot on presence, a lot on observation. And then we dive into very practical tools. So we'll look at things like removing gluten and dairy eating whole foods, rich in nutrients, so all of the healthy fats, 
proteins, vegetables first. And obviously everybody is so different and there's different tiers to this based on the kind of like health or the kind of commitment people want to access inside of themselves. Then we'll focus on supplementation, which I think is a great way to support the process. In my practice, we actually have four categories of supplementation that we go through. So we have core supplementation, food-based, therapeutic, and symptomatic. And so the core we find is just built around circadian rhythm. So we put everything that's more neutralizing and upper and that can support cortisol levels in the morning throughout the afternoon. And then we allow that kind of like parasympathetic flow to take place at night. So in the morning, we may have something more neutral, like a multivitamin, um, or like a ginkgo biloba that's a bit of an upper. And then in midday, we may have a vitamin C. And then at night, maybe more of that magnesium, like CBD realm to bring the body into that kind of like deep sleep relaxation. And the core is really built to just, that's more of a maintenance mode, a continual everyday shifting into healing mode. And then we have the food base, which is just more prescriptive. Maybe it's like a certain amount of like turmeric or something that you put into a smoothie, something that's more food-based specific. And then therapeutic is like strategically working on imbalances. So if we find in labs that you have low vitamin D level or low B12, then we literally just support that with B12 and D until we get to a certain realm. Or if we're looking at circulation and heart health, maybe we bring something in to actually support the blood flow throughout the body. And then in terms of symptomatic, that's, oh, if I have allergies, what can I do right now to potentially help that? And there are a bunch of great tools on the market, or if I'm having issues with indigestion or constipation, like how can I potentially alleviate that now and as a more symptomatic relief? So we bring in everything, but we focus primarily on the core and then everything else is is typically changing regularly. And then we focus on detox, lifestyle, relationships, always going back to that integration, what works for you specifically, how can we make this your own and uh, and that relationship with self. So that's like an overview of what like a mind-body reset would look and sound like in my practice. Excellent. And something that I am particularly interested in, and also because it's been talked about a lot as of late in the different health and wellness communities and media is metabolism and hormones. So especially if you look at people who are past 30, 40, 50, they notice certain changes in their body. And as we now know, of course, menopause gets talked a lot about. Now we have also a lot of communication about perimenopause, which I think is really important. Something that gets neglected a bit is that men actually also undergo this change of hormones of life, and it's actually called andropause. So for men and women, obviously, this is different, and there's also different symptoms. However, when you have patients come to you, and they may not have a complaint about a particular issue, particular illness, but just they just don't really feel like they used to. And of course, there's really great tests you can do nowadays that can show you if there's an imbalance, a hormonal imbalance. What would it look like? What do you particularly favor when looking at optimizing a patient's hormone levels and also boosting the metabolism? That's a great question. Strangely enough, like the way that I do diet and 
like type patients in my mind. So my roots are in Chinese medicine and slash functional integrative medicine. But in Chinese medicine, there are different constellations and patterns and diagnostic criteria. And I've actually found that to be, and I don't take, I take everything with just as like information because you always obviously want to apply it like to the patient themselves and then hear from them. And what's amazing is like when I go through an intake with a patient and they fill out these forms, their labs typically are a, it is exactly what they are saying. It just makes more sense when you see it on the labs, because for example, someone may be experiencing hot flashes because of a food allergy, or they could be experiencing hot flashes because of low vitamin D or low progesterone or something of that nature. The root cause will differ from patient to patient, of course. And that's where we really want to find that out. I typically run like a pretty comprehensive blood panel and urine analysis, and I can send the link over for typically what we run. So everybody on the show can see what we do. Dutch tests are amazing. A lot of people are familiar with the dried urine tests for hormones, especially in the functional medicine field. I typically take patients through an intake and then have a really deep conversation with them. And then we'll run more of the blood, your analysis labs. And then we save like really specific specialty testing for after four months, typically, unless they have a desire, they really want to see something. And then I'm all about it because from my perspective, more information is the better. But I just feel like there's so much that we can find out initially and that we can work on that we honestly often don't even need to go into the other realms like once we have this information. So I bring them through a Chinese medical, more diagnostic criteria. Then I look at nervous system typing. There's a lot of theories on like parasympathetic dominant or sympathetic dominant and sympathetic dominant typically do much better with like high fruits and vegetable content, whereas a parasympathetic may do better with higher proteins, higher fats in their diet. And so I look at that as like a general typing. And then I look at blood type too, because I find that, for example, O-pops typically fall in this category, me too, (laughs) fall in this category. So protein and fats can be like often send a signal of safety to their specific nervous system where, and over here too, there's more qualities in food. So it's not just about like protein and fat. It's also about like warm. Are you digesting it properly? What can we do to optimize metabolic health over here? Whereas over here, you could think of like a man who has high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and it's more excess, whereas the really cleansing, cooling foods can be really helpful. And I even see like over here in this kind of more deficient kind of category, a lot of times it's more like I I would I would describe like a smoothie or juice as like actually cooked foods because it's just worked on a bit. So it's easier to absorb. So I think about that a little bit differently. But I look at everything when it comes to that and then I make specific prescriptions accordingly. And then of course like with the labs, I find if we just begin to balance the system, then everything takes care of itself. Um Also, detox is a huge thing. So letting go of literally what does not work, I think can be more important than inputting what does at a lot of on a big level. So for example, if we take away what's disturbing your sleep is so important. If you have issues with bowel movements, that is one of the number one things. If you have issues with constipation, we have got to get that cleared up um, before like we begin to do that much more and same with sleep. And then I think sweating on a regular basis is also very important. And just looking at at diet, because 
so many of our everyday choices compete against us. If we can get just get these basic functions happening, then everything to begin to regulate. And then from that space, we can like tailor, use more specific therapeutic supplements, specific dietary intervention, things like that. Like, and there's protocols for that too, obviously. But, but usually if I just stick with the foundations, so much clears up. Like I've seen hot flashes go away in the blink of an eye and menstrual cycles come back in the blink of an eye. Actually in like the, a lot of times, like the removing gluten and dairy is huge when it comes to this in my patient population. It's, but also, for example, one of the things that I really have never heard people talk about, but I found it from a personal experience and then started to do a lot of research on it. But a lot of, I work with a lot of women who are getting off of birth control, wanting to have a regular cycle. And so we want to create some resilience in the system as they get off of birth control so they can bridge that gap. And a lot of times they'll lose their menstrual cycle. And so I find that if you just give a thousand milligrams of buffered uh, vitamin C, you can use liposomal as well, which is in two cap, like we often will use basically like capsules, but you can use liposomal, a liquid spray, anything. But if you use a thousand milligrams of vitamin C in the morning and afternoon, I find that it just has this incredible way. Often it's one of the first lines of intervention I take when somebody's coming off of birth control along with the other fundamental changes. But it is amazing how quickly a menstrual cycle can come back. Can you explain to us the connection? How what does happen physiologically, biochemically within the body with taking in vitamin C and specifically related to actually taking care of the female cycle and balancing that again? So I think that there's there's probably way more into it than I am personally aware of. However, I find that there's a lot of research on how it boosts hormones, but it also detoxes. When you're coming off of birth control, you really want to detoxify your system. And you also want to be able to boost natural hormones. So a lot of times, instead of like just supplementing with estrogen and progesterone or a lot of my patients like have been on testosterone pellets, things like that, but they want to find like what will unhook the need for that. So we can focus on these like simple interventions like vitamin C and certain herbs that can actually begin to unhook the kind of like more downstream dependence on hormones. Obviously, hormones are something that are very helpful. So if you, it's like that band-aid coping sort of thing. If your energy is in the trash and you want to feel better quicker, something like that can be really helpful as you're making these changes. So I don't think that there's a right or wrong way to do it. There's simply a right for you. And like that model we talked about at the beginning, one step at a time, your energy will build momentum and changes will become easier downstream. So I find like with the vitamin C, it's one of, it's a one of many ways we can support the nervous system, the immune system, and also the endocrine system in terms of the clearance out, but it also really works well with anxiety and with distress. And in Chinese medicine, that would probably have a lot to do with like detox. And I know I mentioned this before, but honestly, if you think about when you let go of what doesn't work, it's like, then you exist. Like you are there, you are vital, you are healthy. That is naturally who you are. And so much we're in these societies that do versus seek to release and integrate, even though the development and the growth is obviously important, 
this whole idea of letting go and then you are and you are healthy and you are beautiful and you are free. That is just amazing. And and I'm also very interested. I have not done one yet and I definitely want to. And and I I just I think it's a but I think it's a beautiful example. A lot of people will go through these water thrusts and literally all you drink is water and they get astounding results. And and it's like, what is simpler than that? I think that's almost something like obviously it's like universal in spiritual societies, whether it's like a 40-day fast or XYZ. But I think just having that experience of, wow, I'm capable just by drinking water and resting and sleeping and not doing anything, that is like a lived experience that can that can show you how capable you really are. So I think we can get those experiences in a myriad of ways. But but I think that's always an interesting example that really works for a lot of people. Yes, so. I've had friends who went through these waterfalls as well. I've been fascinated with it. I have not dared to attempt it yet. I think it's such an excellent example of what you've just been explaining to us. Instead of thinking you need to do more, and most of us are already so burned out because we're doing way too much, to simply let go via that, allow your body's innate, immense healing powers and wisdom to take over. The water fast in particular, I find very daunting. I have via a genetic test, I was made aware of that fasting is not super ideal for me. I sometimes do short windows of intermittent fasting. However, my blood sugar levels can really crash very easily. I'm one of these people who literally get hangry. I'm not talking about cute, little irritated. When I am hungry, I will not sit behind a wheel and drive a car because I know my cognition is actually even impacted. So I always make sure I have some kind of snack in my handbag so that doesn't happen. And I once read about this particular type of fish that (laughs) when they get uh, low blood sugar levels, they actually start cannibalizing themselves. I'm like, yep, that would be me. (laughs) That would probably be me too. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. But that being said, and also talking about letting go for example, diet. I noticed I'm 95% plant-based. I may make exceptions every once in a while, maybe for a little bit of fish, or I have dairy once or twice a year like that. I haven't had a steak in, oh, I guess, 15, 16 years. I also don't miss it. Interestingly enough, I'm O negative. So if you go by blood type, actually the perfect meat eating machine. <laughs> so I eat a pretty varied mainly whole foods and plant-based diet. I do have some little vices once in a while, and I like to really indulge into one little vice, like say for a period of a couple of months, it could be, okay, I'll have croissants a few times a week. Everything else will be very balanced, but that, or right now it's not, I don't touch any of these Coca-Colas or Pepsis. I have not touched them in probably 15 years. I have become quite liking though, these kind of prebiotic, organic, good ingredient type sodas. Uh, So I have a question for you, (laughs) purely out of personal interest, but maybe some in the audience also find it relevant. Is our sodas per se bad for you? Or is it the, I'm just going to call them because that's how I feel about them, the bad sodas, the nasty ones that we've been brainwashed to drink for decades and that I also used to drink a lot when I was younger. Or is something like what I'm drinking here, I'm not going to name the brand, but it's a nice prebiotic soda that has organic 
ingredients and even organic apple cider in it? And is that also due to the carbonation not ideal? You know, what's really interesting? Let me take one more sip. Cheers, cheers. Mine is powered by Lila Quantum right now. My water is supercharged. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I need to mention here a shout out to Philip Feeling, who is a, a mutual friend and who's been a, a guest, a recurring guest on this podcast. Philip is the founder of Lila Quantum Tech, and they have some really amazing products that are, you know, the principles and the technologies founded in energy healing. Look it up. So you're drinking the Lila powered quantum water. Excellent. Yes, I put it in the block, in the block that I have. But I also have actually their capsules like all around my desk. I find that they just make such a big difference. And I'm so honored to be like in talks with you and with Philip and all of these incredible people. And I think so much like with the example of the I think that so much what I do with my patients and this is what I do with myself with myself too, is if we input, because you obviously have an incredible baseline, you your balance. And so a lot of what I'll show people is like, if you envision like a cup, right? One, there's the container, like what is the size of the cup and then how full is it? So I look at stress as mental, emotional, physiological, like obviously what, what we are given, what we bring in and all of the stress can basically fill up the cup and certain things can tip it over. So if we know like our point and we can actually detox and release, then we can understand our balance. And when it flows over, it often is, has this to do with symptoms. We all have different vulnerabilities and experience symptoms differently. So for me personally, I would be exhausted. I would have acne. I would have indigestion and asthma. So. I know my, my points and I personally stay clear of like gluten and dairy as much as possible. And every like six to eight months, I'll have a piece of birthday cake, regret it, go back to, um, but just in general, I think with like organic brands, I'm always talking to my patients about just upping your treat grade choices. So just upping like the quality of what the treats are, because I don't think there's anything wrong with being human and enjoying like a soda. It tastes good. It's fun. It's, it's, and honestly, you can feel good after it. There's nothing wrong with that. And so I think it's just more about knowing your balance and what works for you and where your vulnerabilities lie and then going from that space. But but for me personally, one of the like sneaky things and a lot of things is stevia and and for me, like I do a lot better with monk fruit than with stevia. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been people will, uh, some people thrive with stevia, other people don't. And so like those little differences, you can begin to pick up and notice. And it's not like I banned all products with stevia. It's not like a in the gluten and dairy category for me where I actually have a real reaction. It's more like a low grade, like my teeth may hurt a little more or like I'll feel tingling in the back of my throat or get a little anxious or something like that. But then certain things that I find complete gifts, very grateful. I do fine with white wine, Sauvignon Blanc typically, and tequila. And it's not like I'm drinking every night, but I feel fine when I drink them. I do not have issues. And so I think everybody's balance is really different. And it's more of like when you have a foundation, then it's so much like when the noise has died down. And you're actually able to be with yourself and notice like, 
how your body works and have that awareness of your system, then you can make those informed choices. And it's not like we're fooling ourselves thinking tequila is so healthy for me, but it's, I like it. And sometimes it's nice to have a cocktail. So I think it's just one of those things of just what works for you. you And what you just mentioned is so interesting, reminds me of a friend of mine, and she actually were sitting in the living room with her father, and he was having a drink, and he usually doesn't drink much. And he's like, I shouldn't be having it. So he was negative about having the drink, but wanted to have it. And she said, Dad, that's not the way to go. Like when I choose to drink, and she actually, I think she was drinking tequila. She said, when I, I consciously, I'll be like, this drink is my friend. This drink will help me to feel at ease tonight. So set an intention. This or this drink will help me feel a little euphoric. Or so, and in this way, her body would also receive it completely differently, okay. uh, which is great. And I think when we're attuned to ourselves, as you just, spoke about our body can send us amazing signals. I have this thing, it's really weird. The, I also stay away from gluten. If I'm in Paris, I'll have baguettes and I'll have glutinous croissants and whatnot. And then I like to indulge. So if I have a 24-hour period of that, I actually get, you can't even see it, but it's on my right index finger. It, it'll just start itching on a particular spot. There's nothing that you can see, but it's without fail, that one spot They'll start itching when I have too much gluten. That's weird. So interesting. And I I completely, I always tell my patients when they're coming to my practice, there's nothing too small or too big that you can or can't talk about here. Because strangely enough, in Chinese medicine, that's the large intestine, which is, it's like on the large intestine channel in Chinese medicine. And so that is so interesting. Oh, could it be like, I remember when I was eating gluten and dairy and I had no idea, like I had no idea this had anything to do with my health. I would actually get like a patch, like the skin patch there. And that is called LI11 in Chinese medicine, which is a huge detox point. It's a heat clearance point in the body. And so it made perfect sense that I would begin to get patches in certain areas of my system. So that's, I think it's so important to listen to it all. And we always, it's so easy to block the conversation by making it about like just alcohol or just gluten or just dairy and demonizing those things versus like understanding what it's really all about. The other night I had two glasses of wine and I woke up feeling really anxious. And I was like, I bet it like, I could see my mind. It wanted to just blame it on the wine, blame it on the wine. But then I dug a little deeper and I'm like, no, there were certain things that happened that night that I was uncomfortable with. And it was, that was like, I could have just blocked it as, yeah, it was just the wine. But I, I was like, you know what? I, what else? Let me open up to what else it could be. And I had a lot of really interesting realizations and like great healing conversations because I didn't just block it as gluten, dairy, wine. And. And so I think that it's important to challenge our beliefs to like that and then to open up to intention setting and expanding and experiences like your friend was mentioning and teaching. That's so cool. Yeah. And a big part of healing, of course, is also to release certain patterns, whether it's dietary, whether it's thought patterns, whether it's patterns of suppressing, for example obfuscating in a way like it would have been so easy for you to say oh it's the wine however you dug deeper is there something 
that you actively recommend to the individuals you work on when it's about releasing old patterns that don't serve us anymore and in that way inviting new and empowered patterns to become part of our life? Absolutely. So I think awareness is so important and being open to generating awareness is huge. I always, and obviously there's a lot of ways to do this, like talking to a practitioner, making sure your fundamentals are in place because in getting to know yourself, like what's a physical reaction and what's more mental and emotional and is it simultaneous, which it can obviously often be both. So kind of like unblocking and then also understanding how non-linear the journey is that one day it could be the wine and then the next day it could be something more lesson-based and more of a conversation that's within you that you want to have. And so I think being able to like open up to those possibilities is huge. And with that said, I think that there's a lot of like practices like in the psycho-spiritual world that you could engage in. But I also think those things become clear. Let's say if you just did like a paleo diet or something like that, like I think it would become clearer as to what was physical, what was mental and emotional, and then beginning to cultivate a perspective where nothing is bad or good, right or wrong, but you're just open to learning, observing, understanding, looking at, learning from can be a powerful way to connect. If we also understand our quote unquote mistakes or bad choices that don't serve us as adaptive mechanisms, we're not judging and demonizing and disconnecting from ourselves more, pushing away like the healing process. If we're just being able to connect with it, then we can identify, okay, like this, I see this pattern. This bothered me. This triggered me. This brought something up within me. And then if we just begin to open up to the flip side of, I would like clarity on this. I would like peace and then feel that support within us and, or seek support to have this container from a space that feels safe and that you resonate with and that you can begin to let your guard down, but that also could potentially challenge you. Um, to see things differently. I think that can be really helpful. But of course, just opening up to perspectives, listening to podcasts like this, speaking with a practitioner, reading a book, going to a church community, all of these things can open up your heart and mind to healing and provide different perspectives that could be extraordinarily growth-oriented. So that's where I would begin to focus. And of course, like you can always, like you're noticing something coming up, you can always place your hands on your heart and choose to return to the present moment. And then from that space, begin to engage in that exploration, even within you at that point in time, asking yourself, like, what feels expansive, like the next best step for me. And in psychology, that will often be called like the use stress, the growth oriented stress, whereas distress will often describe as contracted state. So when I shut down, when I isolate, when I divide. So it's like when you notice yourself dividing from yourself or from others or from certain parts of you, how can you identify that? open up to connection and engaging in a sense of expansion, even if you're not fully there yet, what can shift the dial and begin to bring that alchemy about? Thank you, Brooke. And talking about practices, can you share with us some of the practices that, or a practice that may have accompanied you for a long time in your life or something interesting in you, you just recently came across that in one way or another has elevated your life? shifted you mentally, physically, and or spiritually? 
Absolutely. So the heart-based practice is definitely something that I'm in a unique position as are you. I'm sure it was where we're talking to these amazing people. Like when I see my patients in front of me, I'm like, there is no way I'm letting you do the work without doing it too. So this constant, like, and I'm so curious about these new modalities and also the fundamentals I just have such a reverence for because they've quite literally saved my life on every single level. And so I know the importance of drinking a lot of water and going to sleep at a certain time and opening up perspective and having community and healing conversations and placing my hands over my heart. Um, I'm an affirmation nerd and I like love affirmations. And one of the affirmations that I'll utilize when I notice myself checking out and I just want to gather and center myself is something really simple. And I always give this to my patients on their second visit too, but I'll, I'll genuinely use it often. And it's something as simple as I choose to return to the present moment and be here now where I belong, embodied, connected, and receptive to myself in the process of life. And I've put those words together very specifically because like I choose is not I have to or need to or I want to. It's like my choice carves canyons. My choice is my creatorship. So I choose to return to the present moment. So when I want to check out, how can I actively check in and say this out loud and signal and direct my mind, my heart, my body, my life as the leader into the direction, into the present moment where I can then choose to notice the contraction and expand. And so I choose to return to the present moment and be here now where I belong, because obviously for so many of us, especially in this field, we come in thinking about things a little different. We feel like we don't necessarily always fit in with our families or different things like that. So it's like, I belong here. That alone, that knitting and that woven connection creates such a beautiful signal of safety. And I recently just added the word embodied. So embodied, it's I'm here to experience my whole system in this form right now, right here, and then connected. So it's like when I want to check out, check in, when I want to divide, let me connect and receptive. So if I'm going to choose to show up for my life, I need to grow my capacity to receive at the same time. So that beautiful receptivity of not too open, not too close, but being able to open up, expand, blossom, and then also noticing when I'm shutting down. So receptive, like when I show up, how can I receive to my from myself and the process of life? And obviously, if you're spiritual, this can be in other ways too, whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever words I use God. And I feel like there's such a strength in that word where you're not alone, you are supported and that there's that all of life is potentially for us. It has this beautiful meeting, but also God lies within us. And within that nature, there's benevolence where we can walk forward in this universe, knowing that it always has our back and that God is always ever present. And so I find that even like that prayer or that certain spiritual beliefs can be such clear, direct medicine, even though I'm a huge fan of diet and supplements and um, different holistic therapies as well. I find like to be able to call in medicine right away is just such a gift that we all have access to at any point in time. Beautiful. And yeah, I will put these words actually also into the show notes for, I know for myself, when I hear something amazing, I'd also like to read it. So I'll make sure we also have that in the show notes for the audience. People who want to work with you, get to know you better, or also look at the offerings that you have. Can you tell us how 
we can connect with you or also the offerings that you currently have put forth? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. And I, so we have my website, drbrookstuart.com, and that's just D R B R O K E S T U A R T.com. And then we also have letgoandgrow.com. On Dr. Brooke Stewart, that's more focused around my personal work, my private practice. We offer free consultations and I always have conversations with people and just provide whatever resources come to mind like in that consult. So whether it's working with me in a program we've built or someone else connecting them with another resource, we always want to like fit people in the right place. And in terms of blackandgrow.com, that's like my bigger vision passion project where I want to highlight other people's voices. Last year, we published eight books. They were like a core line of our products, but we want to publish other people's books. And we have a program on there called the Mind Body Reset, which really takes people through the first six to 16 weeks of working together in my private practice at a far more affordable, but also a self-study pace. And obviously everybody learns differently. So we're trying to like package the different products and tools into different ways that where they're direct and approachable and people can choose based on preference. So that's a little, little overview of what we've got going on. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Brooke. And thank you for making time today to coming for coming on the show. And I would really like a follow-up conversation at some point. There's so many different topics we can get into and that you have expertise on. I think this was a really good overview about your work and also the concept of functional medicine and Maybe one of the next times we'll pick something very specific and really sink our teeth into it. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me, Ariana. It's been such a pleasure meeting you. And I this has been wonderful. So thank you so much. Likewise, Brooke. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. <laughs> <laughs>